This is the In Contention Podcast. I'm Ruben Bressler with co-host Matt Cranstuber. How's it going? And co-co-host Joey Pasco. Hey, guys. What's going on, fellas? Not yeah, much. just uh, living the dream, having uh, some fun with these power outages. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, before we begin, I'd like to remind everybody that In Contention is the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series. And uh, join us on July 14th and 15th when the Open Series rolls into St. Louis, Missouri, with $10,000 prize pools in both Standard and Legacy. If you can't be there, be sure to tune in to SCGLive.com to catch Matthias Hunt and Adrian Sullivan bringing you the action. The Twitter hashtag for that event, I believe, is SCGSTL, so you can use that to join in the... The, uh, the discussion. If you can't make it out, be sure to check out an invitational qualifier tournament near you. Go to the StarCityGames.com open series page for a complete listing at StarCityGames.com slash open underscore series. So there's that. There's St. That. Louis is an awesome city. It sure is. And I, uh, I, I had, when I was younger, my dad used to take me around the country to different baseball games. And so <laughs> I, I live I live in Ohio, but we would go to you know, New York and Detroit and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've I probably been to maybe 15 stadiums. And St. Louis was probably my favorite uh, stadium and my, probably my favorite city growing up to visit. It was just like going to see the Arch. And uh, yeah, it's just it's a really cool place. If you've never been there before, it's it's a very neat city. Yeah, it I've, really I've never is. Been, but it's, uh... And the facility there is really nice. Oh, yeah. Um, and we're also rolling out a bunch of new stuff. Um, that weekend, I don't want to give away too much, but we're, we're going to roll out a couple new things, um, at, for, for the, uh, open series in St. Louis. So be on the lookout for some technical, technological advancements. Also, nice. uh, don't, don't forget that weekend is going to be particularly exciting because of, uh, M13 is going to be legal that weekend. Yes. That's so that will be weekend. a new, well, sort of new metagame. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, you know, it's a new it's set. A new, fresh yes. Cards. A couple hundred new cards. Sure. I, predict thrag tusk wolves will uh, make an appearance on camera omniscience well, omniscience show and tell oh there let's, you go let's, let's yeah, hold on guys let's <laughs> do hashtags first all right all right okay. so we, we got some good topics today obviously this past weekend was gp atlanta so we're going to get into uh, some discussion on the decks that we saw there the winners uh talk a little bit about top eight then we got star city seattle which uh our own Joey Pasco was there commentating with Marshall Sutcliffe, and we'll get into some of the details on the standard legacy list we saw there. Then we're going to talk a little bit about GP Columbus, which is coming up here in about three weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have sub-hashtag future cranny, which is... I wish I had a soundboard-like sound effect for that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we're just going to talk about some things going on, maybe a little bit of M13, some hodgepodge. But uh, yeah, some good, some good topics, but so we may as well... Yeah, let's start off with the uh, the Grand Prix that happened this past weekend in the ATL. Yeah. So, uh, won by notable bag of Scrabble tiles, <laughs> Godenis Vidugiris, which is a name that I think everyone will need to learn how to pronounce once he becomes, you know, the the one of the top three Magic players currently playing Magic. I mean, he has three Grand Prix wins now. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's just, like, on fire at this yeah. point. I mean, the... Amazing, amazing uh, showing this past weekend. He was playing Rug. I'm actually pulling up the top eight list here because we had a really, really cool top eight. Um, sh- 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 sorry. Hopefully you can. There it is. 
Uh, so we had a very diverse top eight, um, and it was packed full of uh, full of some some people that you may recognize. Um, ben Stark was running really hot all day. I was actually really rooting for him. He was playing Maverick, um, but we saw some other um, pretty awesome decks. There was a Goblins list that ran Thalia, which yeah, was... that's awesome. Wow. So uh, splash white for Thalia and uh, gilded Drake out of the sideboard. Uh, it just what That's a crazy, so crazy idea. So bonkers. let's uh, let's let's kind of drill down to these top eight, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about them. So obviously, Quadena uh, is playing the uh, rug. Then we have Michael Majors playing a uh, what would be called like Snag Blade. Um, it's a Esper. Uh, Stoneblade list that has Vapor Snag in it, or no? That's yeah. the other. That's the other list. Oh. This one. This one just has Geist of Saint Traft, uh, right. which is uh, something that we don't typically see a lot in the Blade list. Um, then we have Daryl Ayers playing Rug, and uh, then Fred Adelkamp is the one that was playing Snagblade. He had four Vapor Snags and four Geist of Saint Traft. Yeah, and his, his list looks like it looks like a standard list, and then you get to Stoneforge Mystic, and then you're like, wait, what? You know, right. like. It looks like standard. I mean, it has two glacial fortresses in it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's very. It, there are a lot of cards that are in standard right now. I mean, almost half the half the main deck cards are yeah. in standard. Um, so that that's pretty interesting. Obviously, Ben Stark at number five with a pretty stock uh, Maverick list. Um, Jay Sawyer Lucy playing the red white splash blue Goblins yeah. deck, which is so so tech um then we have a uh belcher list at number seven does not have yeah. 15 islands in the sideboard belcher and then sam black's walking dead red white black um zombie vampire spirit list. monstrosity yeah so what do you guys think i mean this top eight seems amazing and you also uh probably should note there are no gristle brands yep. yeah yeah so, what, what happened to gristle band you know like not not really well, the players got together and had a gentleman's agreement not to play Gristlebrand this oh, weekend. Oh, that's right. Legacy, all about the gentleman's agreement. That's okay. right. Exactly right. Did, no, are, wait, sorry. I, I was just going to say there was an interesting tweet by Drew Levin, basically, or, or maybe it's Jerry T, saying how inbred the, uh, like the pro sort of information network was on these reanimator decks, where you have like reanimator decks running Caracas and Jays, and like just like, what? Well, those were good. To be fair, those were pretty good sideboard cards for like the mirror, like Caracas, Jace, and then they had some sideboard cards for not the mirror that were insane, like not of this world. Um, but they, I think they just underestimated the amount of hate that was going to be there this weekend. I mean, Reanimator was the third most popular deck on day two. There were a lot of people that made day two with it. A lot of people made money with Reanimator. Um, but there was just – in the end, it was just too much hate. I was talking with Todd Anderson yesterday, and he said that he lost one game one all weekend. Wow. Yeah, with Reanimator. And then everyone just had all of the hate. You know what I mean? So like I think he who, – who was it? I think he, he was playing against Shaheen Sarani, and he thought seized him in game three, and he'd already used – uh, a piece of hate. He'd already used a Tormoise Crypt or a Surgical Extraction or something like that. And his hand, after he got Thought Seized, was Force of Will, Spell Pierce, Surgical Extraction, Snapcaster Mage, something else. And he's just like, well, all right. <laughs> Fantastic. You know what I mean? So 
I think that it was just it was just too much hate. I mean, you know, Maverick made a little bit of a resurgence this weekend. Maverick has a traditionally decent matchup against uh, Reanimator, especially this Ben Stark version that has the Fauna Shaman. Um, they can grab the Stoneforge Mystic if it needs to out of the main deck, and then in the sideboard it has Fairy Macabs that it can Fauna Shaman for. So uh, that, in addition to just everyone having access to either Tormod's Crypt or Relic of Progenitus or Surgical Extraction, and everyone running them is the main thing. In addition to a lot of people running Pything Needle and Curse Totem, uh, shutting off Gristlebrand's card draw aspect, mm-hmm. it was it was a rough weekend for for Reanimator. I still stand by the fact that it's the most powerful thing you can do. In, yeah. in Legacy. I don't buy for a minute that Belcher's going to come back. I don't think that High Tide's going to make a resurgence, you know. And, and I mean, we, did, we did see them, you know, to, to be sure. fair. They, they did come out. In fact, if you uh, if you look at the top 32 deck lists or if you even just kind of look at the deck techs and look at what uh, people are playing, there are a lot of, um, like, established archetypes out there. The, the rug decks, the blade decks, um, very consistent uh, and Reanimator X very consistently um, performed throughout the tournament. And they're all very similar lists. Um, and I definitely encourage anybody listening to go look at these lists if you're looking for um, either tweaks to your current setup or something something to run, because these are all um, very good. I mean, B- Legacy is a format that has quite literally hundreds of decks that you can Oh, yeah, play. there's a list of 15, maybe 20 decks that can win a tournament. Yeah, and then there's another ten or fifteen that can put you in the top eight sometimes. Well, you know? I, I was having a conversation with somebody about that very topic, um, and and we'll get into it more when we talk about modern. Um, that really, at any given time, legacy. I think if you were to go and map the last year worth of legacy decks that top aided any event. Um, not, and I mean like a, a star city level event, like not like a 20 person tournament. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw 50 different decks. Um, there's just so many, there's so much room to innovate. Um, I'm looking right now at probably my favorite deck, uh, aside from, um, Maverick, which is Ruben's, which was Ruben's choice going into the tournament, uh, is Ian Duke, uh, 27th place deck is a land tax deck. And uh, it's really sharp. It's got 20 lands, and um, so nine, nine basics. And the only creature he has is Trinket Mage, and then the rest of the deck is just to abuse land tax. Uh, and and you know, uh, Enlightened Tutor. And, and Enlightened right? Tutor. Does no, he have an Enlightened Tutor in here? No, prob- probably. Oh, it just looks like an Enlightened Tutor deck because he's all yeah. the singletons. Jeez. Yeah, so he's just basically using Brainstorm as his tutor. I see. Um, you know, search up his stuff, and then uh, he, like he doesn't even have access to scroll rack. Like it's just not he has even bothering. So with. many shuffle effects in this deck. Yeah, four, he has four top, four jace, four brainstorm, and two then trinket mage, two trinket mage, and yeah, like trinket mage and three and land tax. Yeah, and so this list looks really solid. Like if you're expecting a, uh, you know, a creature heavy metagame, like I, I don't, I don't understand how this deck could possibly lose a single match to any of the fair wasteland decks. Um, this is sort of the, the, the kind of deck that I think would just prey on all these rug decks. Um, it just, I don't know that they'd be able to get an advantage off of them. Um, it, it has some pretty interesting main deck cards, including engineered explosives, which we haven't seen in a long time. Um, and treat the angels. 
a main deck relic of progenitus and terminus uh, as well as Zernorb. So just like um, just not not the kind of cards that we typically see in our blue white list. But as these these miracle lists show up, we'll we'll continue to see kind of more innovation. So I love the Zernorb. Like I love seeing that. I mean, it feels like a natural fit with Lantax, obviously, and maybe that's why we haven't been seeing Zernorb very often because we hadn't seen Lantax. Yeah, that's I think fair. the first time we saw Zernorb was when Bobby Kovacs. Uh, one with lands last weekend. Yeah, uh, playing against Caleb and Lazernar was just like seemed really good for him. I mean, obviously it's very good in lands when you can, you know, basically gain four life a turn with an exploration or two on the board. It's it's pretty powerful. Yeah, I love that card. I used to. I I, I remember playing with that card, you know, many years ago and loving it. But it's kind of I forgot about it. Just you don't see it, you forget. Yeah. I will. I would like to point out that the ninth place and tenth place deck were both Reanimator. So it's not like Reanimator had a bad day on right. day two. Um, and the uh, they have slightly differing creature bases. They have, they each have four Gristlebrand, uh, and they each have. Nope, they actually don't share any of the singletons. Now that I look at it, so. Now, the ninth place deck was Jeremy Blair. He has Blazing Archon, which is fairly obvious where that gets used. Um, Angel of Despair and Iona as his singletons in addition to Gristlebrand for his uh, his tutor targets, his Entomb targets, I should say. And then Owen Turtonwald at 10th has Tidespout Tyrant, Sphinx of the Steelwind, and Elishnorn Grand Cenobite as his. So, I like that package a lot more than the other package, I think. Um, I like the Tidespout Tyrant, and I like the Elishnorn, and I like the Blazing Archon from Jeremy. I think that those are the three that I would run. Yeah, yeah I, don't I don't remember them, actually. I think that's exactly I, I don't what think I was that, thinking. I don't think the Sphinx of the Steel Wind's very good. It's just another Gristle brand that can't be, I don't know, lightning bolted, I guess. Can't draw uh, cards. Well, I like it. I'll, like, Rug literally can't beat that card. Right, so. but how, how, how do they beat in a Gristle brand? No, it's 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 basically Grizzle Brand number five, but I actually really like um, that he's not running Iona. I think Iona's sort of an archaic uh, win condition in the Reanimator deck. I just think Reanimator is better off playing any of their other Reanimator targets. And um, actually, he, I'm looking specifically at Owen Turtonwald's list, who got tenth place. Um, he doesn't have access to any of um, any Ionas between Cyborg or main deck. Um, and instead opts to just be, uh, uh, like we said earlier, he boards in Jace the Mind Sculptor. Um, and it looks like he also has the City of Traders show and tell package as well. And uh, so, I mean, he's just like very well positioned to be able to fight against the any of the hate that comes down. I, I actually think that his list is about as good as it gets. I probably, I agree, I think I'd make the Sphinx Blazing Archon swap. I think that's probably a good call, but Tide Spot Tyrant's definitely better than um, Angel of Despair. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. I mean, because Reanimator has become such a popular choice, uh, a card that used to be kind of a three or four of is now just either nowhere in the list or is just like a one of. Uh, I'm, I'm referring to Exhum. Yeah, <laughs> because just being able to, uh, you know, if you're facing against so many mirrors and so many other uh, large creatures that if you can. Or if you cast Exhum, you just 
end up in yep, you know, you're in trouble pretty pretty bad situation and i have i, I mean i did hear rumor not rumors just overhearing people talking about their matches at uh in seattle where you know a player had cast uh i think he just went like turn one discard a, a fatty and his, yeah. opponent, his opponent went you know swamp reanimate your guy you know thanks <laughs> <laughs> heard about that That's i used to run a reanimate in my burning wish cyborg in agrolom just to just to get my opponents, you know, dead confidants and whatever. But it was awesome when you play against Reanimator. They never expected it. They're like turn one and two. You're like on your turn two, land Mox Diamond, Burning Wish, get Reanimate, Reanimate your guy. Like nice. that's ridiculous. <laughs> but so, um, do, what do you think about the? Uh, so we actually had another legacy tournament that happened this weekend. Of course, just Star City Games Seattle, which was won by a deck that we haven't talked about yet. That I'm sure we will talk about more as the summer progresses because of mm-hmm. M13's additions. Yes. Uh, which is Merfolk. Two people in the top eight playing Merfolk. That's right. So this top eight was Merfolk, Blue White Miracles, Red White Black Stone Blade, which is Team Italia, Team uh, another Merfolk, Alluren, Rug Delver, Sneak and Show, and Maverick. Yeah, the, the Merfolk list. Um, the main innovation that we're seeing in those is the addition of um, some running Cavern of Souls, but uh, Phantasmal Image is the yes. real is the real one because uh, not only does it act as a as your you know Lords twelve through sixteen, but it kills Grizzlebrands uh, as soon as it resolves, and it's probably probably going to resolve in a deck that has so much counter magic plus Aether Vial, which is obviously the the more important way to force it through. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, very interesting. This is uh, almost that... exactly the same as Saito's list. Yeah, that's actually, uh, Ian, when, uh, during his winner's interview, mentioned he got the list from Caleb. He, you know, he asked Caleb, and Caleb said, run Saito Merfolk. And so that's basically what happened. Well, there you go. <laughs> so is he basically just saying uh, no, no engineer plague and playing Parish instead? Like, are we talking about Saito's list from Columbus? Of yeah, 2000? Saito's list from Columbus. Okay. So he's not running engineered plague. He's running Parish instead. He's also got a Dread of Night in the sideboard um, for the Maverick matchup, I guess. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's Merfolk. I mean, I don't know what else you, you can really say about it other than it's just going to get better as the summer progresses. Thanks yeah. to Master of the Pearl Trident. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's interesting. Like, just talking with Ian again during the winner's interview, he feels like, for now, uh, he would rather – he said it's like a strict, up, strict upgrade to Lord of Atlantis. Yeah. But, but other than that, like, it doesn't actually – like, you know, you just take out the lords and put in the, the masters and – Maybe maybe there's no actual increase in lords because they have phantasmal image as you mentioned. Like that's that's kind of the extra lords, but I don't it also know about has that. other applications. I think I disagree with that. As Ian's uh, Ian's take on it, um, I like, think that I would probably cut down on regeries just to uh, make just, the curve just a little more. No, well, your other vials can stay on too forever. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. That's if you have phantasmal mean. images, then you want I, those things to stay on too. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, obviously, it, it just straight up replaces lord of atlantis so we're really talking about how many lord of atlantis we're going to run exactly uh in the deck but i mean you may you may see things like um uh, going to different builds of merfolk where they weren't running force of will um or standstill and becoming much more aggro oriented so i think you probably see it more in those kinds of decks the one that uh that ian's deck i, I don't know like i don't necessarily think it's a better swap than something like Korhelm commander 
which can get around, you know, moats. And it yeah. also is like really good to uh, mana sync for your late game. But I, I, I personally think standstill is kind of like not, not my favorite card right now. So I, I could see running it over maybe a couple standstill or something. Yeah, standstill is not real, really very good when your opponent's just like, all right, here, show and tell. Yeah. yeah. Like, all right, I'll draw three. <laughs> all right, show and tell happens. All right, here's a Gristlebrand. I'll draw seven. You know, it's not that great. Um, we, saw, we saw Ian actually on camera – uh, several times over the weekend, and he never lost except for the very first time we featured him, and it was versus Aluren. Right, so we had an Aluren deck in the top eight, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, played by uh, MGK, who's a, a somewhat known player. Mm-hmm. Uh, used to be from the Midwest. He's up in, in – I think he's used to be from the Midwest. Is that right? I think so. I don't know exactly where he's – You know. Anyway, he's. I, I know who he is, and yeah. he was playing uh, Aluren, which is a deck that's awesome. Um, be, mostly because it runs four coiling oracles in Legacy, and that's I was just, just going to say, ever. how do you not love this deck, Ruben? This is everything right. you can It's want. the best possible thing ever. And so, and the other thing is that, uh, you know, you don't often see this deck because Imperial Recruiters are um, so expensive. But when you do see it, it can often take a tournament by storm because, the, the, you know, no one knows how to play against it. You don't know where your windows are to, to use your elimination spells, um, and you don't know, you know, because the deck runs two Dream Stalkers, so you don't know if you can stop the combo in the middle of Imperial Recruitering and stuff like that. Um, and so the windows are really narrow, and if you don't know what the hell you're playing against, then you just sort of run out of, uh, you know, uh, you, you're just like, all right, I guess I lose. And this list is really, I mean, for the most part, it's pretty stock. The only difference. Between the list that we were seeing before is that he has Jataxian Probe to right. help make his Cabal Therapies all, almost always get the hate out of the opponent's hand. Right. And I think that's a really good It also, it also thins his deck. Um, it also is another blue card to force a will. I think that's a really good choice. Like I, I kind of don't understand the life from the loam and the Venser. Like, I, I just think that you probably so I, just... under, I understand the Venser. Um, the Venser is just to get rid of Nevermore or some random Enchantress something that's preventing you from I, winning. I think you just need to play Stern Proctor because you can't you can't play Venser for free, right? But you can still search for it with your recruiter. Yeah, I I, I could see that. Stern Proctor has always been like the fallback card. It's it costs blue blue. It's a one two, and you can bounce an artifact or enchantment when it enters the battlefield. Um, and so you can infinitely bounce uh, an Enchantress player player's entire board uh, oh, as long wow. as he doesn't have multiple um that's not throws yeah. on the table yeah so I, I i probably would just play that instead um and then the life from the loam seems really random to me i think i would just rather have a thought seize or well like, unless you have a main, or, if you have a main deck wasteland i can see it but he has one verdant catacomb or volrath stronghold volrath stronghold is the only card that i'd be like well I guess if I lose that, then I can't, you know, combo off. But I would just rather double up on combo. But anyway, the the list is like really tight, and I'm sure, it, I'm sure those are there for their own particular purposes because you know he ended up being able to to top eight the event. Um, yep. We haven't seen a Lauren top eight in a while, so this is very very cool to see that. Also, reanimator not in the top eight. That is true. We did see a sneak and show, so there were some grizzle brands, but only That's one true. deck uh, out of the top. Um, 16 uh, combined from the between the GP and Star City 
one one of them ran Gristlebrand. Yep, the only uh, only four more Gristlebrands in the two combines top eights than land taxes, which is not wow, something crazy. I would have predicted. I was funny. actually surprised to not see land tax on camera in Seattle uh, because I figured people were going to be trying to play it, even if they didn't end up in the later rounds. I thought you know we would see something in the earlier rounds, but uh, yeah, but I had no sign of it. I saw it in somebody's cube on Friday night. That was the only <laughs> only landmass I saw all weekend. Nice. It was uh, Justin and Taya's cube, Griffin Valentine. And, and we yeah. still see a lot of the same uh, decks doing well at Star City as we did at the GP. We sure. still see Delver, Goblins, Reanimator, Belcher. Uh, we did not see Dredge at, at uh, in the top 32 of the GP, but we do see a Dredge here. I think and that it, the, the Dredge hate... Sort of all. I mean, the dredge sort of hated out, got hated out by the same reanimator hate. Yeah. Like, even though there were more coffin purges and surgical extractions than Tormod's crypts and Leyline of the Voids, you know, it's still tough to win multiple I, rounds when you have multiple rounds of hate against you. I wonder why we're not seeing more transformational dredge decks that transform into either like the aggro deck or uh, the dark depths deck. Given that we don't see a lot of sword supplashers running around, I mean, obviously mm. Blade Blade is there, but I mean, I feel like even even Sneak could show up a very difficult time dealing with um, that strategy. A merit uh, lodge token, yeah, just huh. twenty 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 flyer. But I mean, we see, we see that a lot in vintage. Well, Sneak and Show has Emrakul, but yeah. So that that and it actually uh, that that card in particular, um, Dark Depths, is one that I want to talk about when we get into the modern discussion. Um, mm. But uh, any, any, anything, Joey, you you were kind of had your finger on the pulse of this weekend for yeah, you were there. Yeah, um, it was. Any, well, anything to note uh, on the standard end? I mean, we've we've seen some of the top decks uh, looks like kind of a lot of the same that we've you know seen the last few months. Yeah, the I last think- few weeks, I should say. I think the just one of the cooler things to note about uh, about standard, and uh, is that a mono black control list did make top eight. And yeah, big black. Yeah, big black. Yeah, that's what he called the deck, and um, it was very cool to watch him. Uh, you know, to actually see that deck in you know on camera and winning, and it was kind of amazing. You know the. Just he's like cast worm coil engine and uh, he's like flashing back increasing ambition and it was just ridiculous. So I, I have the list pulled up if you don't mind I'll I'll yeah. talk what what this has. So the the list that we're talking about is Philip Johnson's, yes. and um, he has uh, two batter skull, four pristine talisman, four sphere of the suns. His creatures are four psalm simulacrum, two worm coil engine, two grave titan. Then he has two doom blade, two go for the throat, uh, one grizzlebrand. Three Karn Liberated, two Liliana the Veil, three Black Sun Zenith, two Increasing Ambition, mm-hmm. two Sever the Bloodline, 19 Swamp, three Baird Rune, three Cavern of Souls. Wow. I want to build this right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's pretty much what Marshall did immediately online. He's got his computer and we're on a break and he's on moto playing the list. And he just wow. was playing it all day every time we had a break. And uh, he had a pretty, uh, he was winning a lot with it. And I wish I had. I, I, did, did we get to see this on camera? A couple of times. Um, yeah. It was, uh, I think, once featured just somewhere in the middle rounds, maybe closer to the end. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to say it might have been, you know, around like uh, seven of nine, um, something like that. But, uh, and then also in the top eight, we watched it. He actually lost in the quarterfinals, but, um, you know, it, it was 
it was a cool uh, cool deck to see, and I think the deck has the potential to only get better with cards from M13 coming along. That's yeah, right. So. I think I would have built the deck slightly differently, mm-hmm. personally. I probably would have done the four Buried Ruin, four Worm Coil Engine plan, mm-hmm. personally. But, uh, and, like, the Grave Titans probably get the axe at that point. I Although mean, those were real good for him. Yeah, I mean, the, the Grizzle brand in Standard... And you know he's yeah. not he's not un- using unburial rights and at all. He cast it. He cast it, <laughs> and it yeah, got stolen gosh. by a zealous conscript. I mean, the fact that he has batter skull and pristine, pristine talisman means that he's very likely going to be able to activate that several times without making a huge dent in his life total. That's right. Um, whereas if he just naturally cast it without having access to those right. and um, oil engine, you know, yeah. yeah, he's got tons of life gain in this deck. I I, I, had a, I just want to mention I, I had a very unfortunate um, weekend because on Friday we had these storms come through, right? And uh, I was very excited for uh, Atlanta and uh, Seattle coverage, and uh, it knocked it knocked our power out. So I I was without power all the way through Saturday afternoon, um, and then once the power did come back, I didn't have internet. So I had like the I had my phone, and I had like I was flipping between the Grand Prix and Seattle coverage on my phone, like crouching down on the on the ground, like <laughs> and like right. my wife is just making fun of me and and uh, and this isn't an iPhone. No, this saying. yeah, I'm this saying, is like, like <laughs> that's not crazy. That's not too crazy on an iPhone because I mean that's that's how you know a lot of times I catch coverage. Um, well, it's but yeah, it, it's like actually a real thing. Like I, I had a really long drive. Um, back from Indianapolis when I went to the Invitational, mm-hmm. and I just put on Twitch TV on my phone and just listened to it like like talk radio, and oh, it was cool. amazing. So you were, you were yeah. able to access video on that phone. I don't know what kind of phone you had. I just know. I, I, I have a Droid, and, okay. and it works. It works just fine. But it was really nice. Like even though I can't see the board state, which kind of like it's not so good if you're trying to really visualize what's going on. You you still get some of the commentary. Um, and especially with the Invitational, they had like the sideboard stuff come up. So I was, you know, I hear, I hear like Brad Nelson's interview and and Todd Anderson, and so it was like it was, it was pretty cool, like uh, you know, to be able to to have like a radio version of the coverage almost. Exactly. Um, yeah, I do so, that all the time I, too. I learned an interesting fact about a lot of our listeners probably were part of this big storm that happened. Uh, I, I was here; we were here in Roanoke. A lot of people still are without power. Um, in Roanoke, I'm, I had power the whole time, luckily, because I was doing coverage uploading for Seattle. Um, but I thought you guys would be interested to know that I learned on NPR what that what that thing's called. It's called a derecho. What, what thing's called? The the big <laughs> storm thing that happened. Wow, <laughs> it's called a derecho or derecho or something. Huh. And so apparently – so the, the description that I was reading on uh, on Wikipedia was very funny to me because derechos are like a straight line windstorm of like a bunch of thunderstorms get together and are like, all right, let's make a lot of wind, right? Uh-huh. And they generally uh, take the form of a squall line. Huh. Very interesting. So they deal damage to flyers. A... Oh, That's yeah. exactly right. They deal damage to flyers. So I yeah. thought you guys would be appreciative of uh, – of the magic reference there. But anyway, yeah. I'm pretty sure the, the flavor text of Squall Line mentions knocking out internet. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite. quite oh, quite wow. About that. But yeah, they, we had like 70 mile an hour winds for like five minutes here. Yeah. Bunch, yeah, of, tre- bunch of trees down. And, you know, it, it, uh, it, was, it was a weird weather weekend in general. I mean, in Atlanta, they set an all time high for temperature, I think. 
like all time, like hundred and some, like hundred and ten degree in high. The teeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah hundred and twelve or something ridiculous like that. So, oh my gosh, the hottest that it's ever been in recorded Atlanta history, while at, uh, GP Atlanta was going on. Uh, yeah, the Magic players bringing all the heat with them, I guess, from right. various parts of the country. But I was. In, no uh, burn decks made top 16, though. No, apparently they were all outside, like burning, you know, Atlanta. Uh, yeah, I was in Seattle where it was 65 degrees, so I missed all this. Yeah, I missed the storms, yeah, I missed yeah. the heat. It was, it was fantastic. So. so what was your favorite part of Seattle? Did you get to see any of our uh, – did, did you get to see Sam? Yes, I did. I got to see Sam, and uh, I hung out with him a little bit on Friday night and got to chat with him a bit on Saturday and uh, also got to hang out. Uh, you know, I did two rounds of coverage with Gavin. That was great. Got to talk to Trick Jarrett. Um, Marshall interviewed Eric Lauer. That was he, he awesome. Was there. That was cool. Man, um, I'm, I'm going to have to rewatch this. Like I said, the power I, deprived me of Right. That'll be in the coverage archive. And for you guys listening, uh, the coverage archives on Star City Games are on the right side of the page. Uh, You have to scroll underneath the IQ section to click on them, and we'll have all of the different rounds archived there so you guys can watch the old coverage. Yeah, it was was very cool. I got to talk for a while with Trick Jarrett and... uh I, I met Scott Larrabee. You know, I, I didn't hadn't met him before. Wow, nice. Um, uh, Matt McCall was running around, but I didn't actually get to talk to him. But yeah, a lot of the Wizards guys just kind of uh, hanging out and checking out the uh, the fruits of their labor, I guess. Cool. Wow. Very cool. Well, let's move on to a format that the uh, even though we're the official podcast <coughs> of the Star City Games Open Series, uh, and we're about to talk about a format that the StarCityGames.com Open Series uh, doesn't play, but we're going to talk about it anyway because we want to look forward to Grand Prix Columbus, which is modern. Yeah, yeah, modern. Oh, so, modern is a format in which we just had a Grand Prix in Yokohama, uh, and the thing I learned about the Grand Prix in Yokohama is that no one knows what they're doing in <laughs> Modern yet. We had a bunch of birthing pod decks. Um, that's about all we know. I mean, black-white tokens, like two Cloud Goat Rangers were in the deck that won that Grand Prix. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it, that is kind so, of so, you know, no one knows what's going on. The, There's, the, go ahead, I was going to say, I mean, we, like, I had thought that uh, a blue-red combo deck of one kind or another would make top eight at least. Um, I would have thought that the blue, white, red Delver uh, step links aggro thing that I had been seeing last season would have made top eight, or green, red Tron, the combo Tron, or blue, white Tron for that matter, or something, you know. But there were no non basic islands in the top eight of that tournament. There were 18 basic islands, I think, in the fairies deck, yes. and then all the rest of the decks were not blue. Yeah, it feels to me. I mean, and maybe this is just from from my perspective, but it feels to me that modern is just really still undefined. It's still getting its legs. I mean, we've had we had the one pro tour, and then there were like bannings, and then we had the you know the one season, the PTQ season, and it just seems like you know the format's still being explored. Right now, the it's an important thing to note that the Japanese metagame is vastly different than the American metagame, and the red green Tron deck is much more popular in the United States. And I don't know how popular any of the Delver variants in modern are in, in Japan, but, uh, sure. you know, so, I mean, so that, that, that could be a thing. I, I've got a, I've got a modern topic and this is something that I thought about the other day. Um, ladies and gentlemen, future cranny, future cranny. Well, okay. So, uh, my friend, 
Amos was posting about how he thought that Legacy was uh, a very boring, stale format, and I, I it just kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know if he was trolling me or whatever, but um, you know, to me, like Legacy is this humongous format that you can you can really build anything you want to, and if you get enough testing and you know enough about the decks that you're going to face, you can win tournaments. Like you could build the crate, you could build a deck that has 15 islands in the sideboard and win a major tournament. Like that's how, like if you know your deck and you know the format, you could do well. So um, there's really not a lot that gets hated out except for decks that like, you know, want to run 18 non basics and like, you know, Oh wait, that's rug. Okay. never mind. Um, (laughs) But really if you have an idea and you have, and you have access to the card pool, you can do what you want. Now this, this brings me to, to a discussion on modern and um, I, as you may know, I, I have always been very pro banning uh, when it comes to modern. Um, one being that I grinded the hell out of the format when they announced it. Um, I had the, uh, the misfortune of having many ponders and preordains resolved against me. Um, you know, I played old extended before they made the bannings there and they did the rotations. Extended was always my favorite format. So I had a lot of high hopes for modern as a format. Um, and something that I've realized is, uh, if you look at the ban list, they have this big list of ban cards and 80% of them are not on, or maybe even more than that are not on the legacy ban list. Um, and basically what, what, what I'm trying, what I want to talk about is I think that modern is kind of like has a very inbred metagame. I think that it, it doesn't find its legs because it's not allowed to find its legs. And basically what you have is this very big card pool um, that encompasses most of modern magic. And when I say modern, I don't mean like modern the format, but like modern, like what we know to be of magic. Like we don't see cards like Vindicate anymore. You know, it's just not a modern card. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just don't see the format allowed to do what it's supposed to do. Um, they Wizards has been very clear that they are trying to, to sort of craft this into its own format. And I think that it's going to outgrow this this very very quickly. I think um, give 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 itself you know another five to six or ten blocks, and you're basically you're basically going to share ninety percent of the legacy card pool, or the relevant legacy card pool, and um, and in many cases you're just going to completely uh, trump the legacy versions of the cards. Um, and so I guess what I what I'm what I'm trying to get at is. What, what do you think of that? Like, what do you think of, of a card pool that basically exists to want to be bigger than it is, but isn't allowed to be? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me illustrate it for you. In the in the ban list, we have cards like Valakut, Sword of the Meek, Sensei's Divining Top, Punishing Fire, um, Bitter Blossom. Bitter Blossom, Dark Depths, and Blazing Shoal that do absolutely nothing in Legacy. They they do nothing because they 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 have the ability to be good and they and they are randomly good at times, but they are not oppressive. They aren't even like on the radar of being oppressive. But because of the oppressive card pool and lack of safety valve cards, I use that in parentheses, mm-hmm. um, they are beyond oppressive in the modern format 
Um, so the, the safety valve cards that I would give are specifically force of will is probably the number one reason why 90% of the cards on this list are here is because once, if you tap out, you have no way to defend yourself. Like you can't, you can't reliably beat the glimpse of nature elves deck if you can't stop the glimpse of nature. And if you tap out, like you're, you're done. Um, same thing with blazing shoal, bitter blossom, sort of the meek like th- those kinds of cards that are very hey if i resolve this and i have my part of the combo like you're you're going to lose and so i think uh again going back to to my original thought that i, I think modern like is kind of funneling itself in a specific direction and creating these very powerful combo decks um that are difficult to hate out and um yeah so i don't know that's that's sort of my soapbox thing i don't know do you guys have an opinion one way or the other I think that if you're so so the the crux of the argument is that because of all of these bannings, oppressive combo decks are sort of the norm, like blue red storm, blue red twin, uh, birthing pod, you know, Malira pod, things like that. Um, and so I I don't see why unbanning another combo card like glimpse of nature would help that. Um, I definitely can see – or unbanning, for example, Sword of the Meek or Dark Depths also doesn't really make sense for that because those are two-card combos. Um, but certainly something like Bitter Blossom I can see that argument for. Uh, Ancestral Vision is another one. Jite. Like it's, I can it, certainly see all of those coming back. Well, I purposely didn't mention Jitty and Jite and Nakatl just because they're silly that they're even on there. But I, I'm actually more talking about – the diversity of the metagame, like how can you possibly create a format that players want to play that they want to actually go out and buy cards for? If the, if the metagame isn't, they don't even have a chance at creating a fun deck because they have to be able to beat the top decks legacy. I can go in and say, look, I'm good against graveyard decks. That's my, that's my niche. I can beat all graveyard decks but I consign myself to the fact that I can't beat a storm deck. And you go in and you play your matches and, and all as well. Well, this, it's quite the opposite. Like, you don't get an opportunity to decide which deck you're good against. Like, you pretty much get to design, like, uh, you know, a dozen or so decks. And that's pretty much it. Like, you don't get to build a more powerful deck. Like, you just have to have better hate cards or you have to, like, craft a different strategy. It's just very, like... It just—it seems like it never had a chance to see if it is as, is as broken as it is because, as we know, legacy isn't it like it's not about it's not about getting the combo off. It, it's not even necessarily about the critical turn. It's about like playing and like more interactive magic. And I think this isn't interactive magic. Modern is not interactive magic. And I think even some of these cards, like Sensei's Divining Top, which was had a, had a pretty good reasoning for banning from the get go, I think that card should come back. There's no reason that that card is not doing anything wrong in Legacy. People are not abusing it. It's, it's you know, it, it would be played in Modern. Yes, it would get played a lot. But, I mean, we don't even have allied colored fetch lanes for crying out loud. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. I, like, I mean, and on the topic of Divining Top, like, you know, you have basically no ponder. <laughs> you know, you don't have brainstorm, things like that to, to set things up. I feel like top. Yeah, is top you of still have you still have miracles and you still have counterbalance. But those are the kinds of decks you want to be good. Those decks are not good. Like, you can't play a blue-white deck in Modern right now. That's true. 
the, see, the, okay, so what, the other reason why, the, specifically with Top, is that games were taking too long. Um, and so that's a problem, which we were talking about with Lantax. We, we were hoping that this would not be Grand Prix uh, active player finish your turn. <laughs> Was uh, was was Cranny's hashtag for it? I think, um, but yeah, I mean, I can see the the argument behind it, and it makes sense uh, to me. I just don't think that it's ever going to happen because a, it's already there. So the safer place to to do, safer thing to do is to leave it on the ban list. And so saying like it probably won't be oppressive to unban it is a much less likely thing to happen. Um, the other thing is that this band list was a little bit hastily made. It, I mean, the legacy band list has developed over many, many more years than modern's been around. Uh, you know, they, they made the, the modern band list, you know, for uh, a pro tour that happened months after the format was even just announced. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they, they put these cards on there to be, to be safe. Um, I'm not sure that I agree with the premise that the metagame isn't diverse enough. I mean, black-white tokens just won the Grand Prix in Yokohama. There's two or three different birthing pod decks. There's a mono-blue fairies deck that's good. And then there's also all the decks that didn't even make the top eight, like uh, of Yokohama. And then there's Jund that made the top eight of Yokohama, um, which is just a bunch of good cards shoved together in a deck. No, you're totally – you're 100 percent right. I actually, my, my argument isn't necessarily that modern is a bad format. It's, it's quite the contrary. Like I think – there are there are problems with the format, but it's not a bad format. Like I like to play it. My issue is that in five years, modern is going to be like you can only contain the brokenness of the modern card pool for so long before you have to start banning like all the kikijikis and like mm. you know what I mean. Like you can only do that for for until like you know. I mean, how many yeah. two card combos can you ban? I feel like it's much like legacy is sort of what what do they call that when is it like organized chaos when like everything is so powerful that it just like it there's it's like balanced. Yeah. And and I think modern's like the total opposite. It's like the the powerful decks like clearly pod is a very powerful deck. And I don't know why you would play anything but pod. It has the ability to combo with three different combos as well as just aggro out on you. And aggro out on you, like I, I, that's a very and counter spells are non-existent in this format. So, like, why would you play anything else? I don't. Yeah, birthing pod is so I forget who said it a long time ago, but you have to, so they said that it like uh, you have to be careful of things that can search your life that can replace themselves in their in your hand or in play. The, 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 you have to be careful of things that can replace itself, right? You have to be careful of things that cheat things into play without being able to be counterspelled. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to be able, or you have to, uh, be careful of things that, uh, draw too many cards for their ability. But the first two things I just said were, you have to be careful of things that, um, cheat things into play and you have to be careful of things that vile things and you have to be careful of things that vile things into play and you have to be careful of things that replace themselves. Well, that was Stoneforge Mystic's problem in standard, right? Mm-hmm. Is it could search for something and vile something into play and that's birthing pod in modern. That just cheats everything into play and it vials it into play. You don't get to counter it. So yeah. 
I completely agree. Like, you resolve a birthing pod. From that point on, for the rest of the game, every single creature is a must counter. Yeah. And there's, and there's no real, like, deck that can run counter spells reliably. Um, and that brings me to, like, my next point is if, if, if I was a, a person that was trying to figure out, okay, well, look, we know the card pool is going to get huge. Like, obviously, if you go back and look at, like, Legends, Arabian Nights, you know, these old sets, there are, like, 2% of the cards in those sets are actual playable cards. So the card pool will eventually get to the point where it is as big as Legacy minus duels and, like, some staples, like, you know, cycling lands and some goblins and some other stuff. Um, you need to introduce the kinds of things that make Legacy a fair format, like Force of Will. Force of Will is the number one thing that makes it... If you take Force of Will out of Legacy, it's actually just the worst format that you could possibly play. It would be yeah. worse and more broken than Vintage. Like, every deck would be eight Thoughtseize effects in the main deck, plus, like, some sort of, like, one-card kill condition. And, like, you just... If your opponent taps out, then you won the game. And that's very much what Modern is. Like, if you tap out, there's a possibility that you're just going to lose, either because your opponent hits his critical turn, you know, where he blood braids into Liliana the Veil or whatever, um, or you're just going to get potted out. And I think Force of Will is, a, is the perfect safety valve for this format. Um, I think it's completely reasonable to print in an M set because it's only in standard for a year. Um Based on blues, uh, uh, you know, obviously you wouldn't want it like around for Delver because that would just be obnoxious. But I think that once that that card pool rotates, it would be perfectly fine to have in standard. So, so Cranny, you're basically, I was going to say, so are you advocating changing the band list or reprints or both? It sounds like a little bit of I, both. I much. say you get, I say if you want modern to be a sustainable format that people will want to to build and you want it to grow i i think you need half of these cards off this list and i think you need to introduce a card like force of will into the format that helps it so that you can play fair decks that don't die when you tap out yeah i mean i can't really disagree with you i think uh, kind of like i said earlier it still seems like the the format is a little bit undefined at this point it's still very young we haven't even really had it for a year yet and um and I feel like as long as Wizards is willing to pay attention to it and make changes and willing to, you know, remove cards from the banned list or ban cards that seem like, you know, they're... I mean, do we see something like Birthing Pod banned? You know, because because of what you said, rather than them reprint something like Force of Will or, or whatever. But uh, I, I think as long as Wizards is willing to sculpt it as they have been so far... I think that's a great thing, and I think uh, you know maybe maybe things do end up going in the direction that you're even uh, advocating here, or even like the dredge the dredge deck. Like I think you have to have a, a little bit different perspective on what the dredge deck is supposed to do. I mean, this isn't a port of Legacy Dredge. This is this has no Cabal Therapy, no Putridimp. Like you have these substitute cards that are nowhere near as good. You don't have Breakthrough. You don't have Lines Eye Diamond the deck would not be an oppressive deck. Like it would be a perfectly fair, hateable deck. And like just taking out the uh, reanimation spell and Golgari Grave Troll just stops an entire archetype that is a, arguably f- a fair deck from being able to enter the format. Now, obviously, Wizards hates Dredge, 
but I don't care about that argument. It's like a turn three, turn four deck, and is perfectly in a deck, hitable. In a format where they want to have turn three, turn four be the ultimate turn where combo decks go off. Exactly. Now, yeah, card, now I can, cards I can that are against that sort of argument are, you know, obviously like Jace the Mind Sculptor and Stoneforge Mystic, given at the, the, the relative power level of the format, it's very difficult to unban those cards because, well, one, you don't have Force of Will, so your opponent gets to resolve his Stoneforges every time on turn two, um, unless you somehow, you know, playing Spell Snare or whatever. Um, same thing with Jace. Like, it's it's a tap-out format. And um, it, I just don't think, like, a lot of these cards can't come off, but some of these I look at, I'm like, shit, you really, you really want to have Umezawa Chite on this ban list when you're trying to create an interactive format? Like... Don't you want yeah. to have a combat step? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that a bunch of the cards that when Wizards says that they want to have an interactive format where they want more varied decks and more control decks and yet cards – and they also want the combat step to matter more and for combo to matter less. And then there are um, cards like Ancestral Vision – and Jite still on the list. I mean, I, I definitely see that. I definitely see that, uh, that that's sort of counterintuitive, that they're sort of saying one thing and doing another. Um, five years from now, it's difficult to predict. I mean, I think that they've done a pretty decent job of adding new powerful stuff to the format. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I can absolutely see Kiki Jiki and Splinter Twin going on the band list soon, for example. And, you know, it's only a matter of time before other combo enablers, like, you know, if, if they print another thing that a bunch of, uh, that if you take a bunch of counters off of it, you make something enormous like Dark Deaths, then you could see if, like, Vampire Hexmage go away or, um, you know, some other weird combo enabler that we just don't know about yet, like Doubling Season or something ridiculous like that. It's such like a that. tricky balance, right? I mean, yeah. because how do you, where do you draw the line? You know, if you just take Birthing Pot out, then the Tron decks become insane. Or you just take out Splinter Twin, then, it's, then everything's Storm and Pyromancer. Like, but then it's like, once you do that, there will still be combo decks. You know what I mean? Like, we just got Faith's Reward in M13. How many more pieces does Eggs or Time Sieve need before it's playable? You know what I mean? Like, they aren't playable now, obviously. But how many more little pieces do you need before they, it crosses the line? Agreed. And it's always going to be right on the thing. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a conundrum. Yeah, it's a yeah. No, you're you're totally right. I, I'm very interested to see. I, I was actually really hoping to see some more. Um, uh, well, we're we're going to talk about M13, so I guess I'll just give my basic thoughts on M13. I think M13 is a slam dunk of a set. I think it's a very good set, but I think it's not really our demographic. I don't think it's really targeting us. Um, it's a very good um, base set in that it introduces a lot of new type effects that we haven't seen before a lot of very timmy type cards um but it does not offer anything to us in the modern card pool as far as i'm concerned that really helped shape the metagame and i was really kind of hoping to see cards like noble hierarch um you know come in to help feed into the modern format i just feel like there's just like not a lot of support on the wizard's side uh we haven't seen an event deck we haven't seen um, a premium deck that really focuses on modern cards. 
we haven't seen reprints of the big cards like Dark Confidant, Thoughtseize. Um, so it, it just almost feels like modern. I feel like they they attacked it. They're like, we're going to make this format. It's going to be really good. But then there was it was there was there's not a lot of like follow through. Like you know, a couple cards get banned. They have a GP. I don't but really they don't. feel like they had that much of a chance to, as far as reprint follow through. You know what I mean? Because it has the format's only really been around for nine months or so, and um, I think I think the whole Ravnica duel and reprint thing, which is very likely to happen in the fall, may have been their first opportunity to say, "All right, here's where we're going to start," you know, printing things for modern. Um, maybe they wanted to get a peek at what it was looking like first, but you know, the Ravnica duels were. Um, kind of high on their list of something they wanted to provide uh, access to for newer players uh, or True. Players just don't have it. So, you know, maybe they just haven't had the opportunity to to do that yet. You know, you look how long, you know, something like Great Sable Stag took to show up uh, in print. Like, oh, finally we have it to, to face against the fairies decks, you know, when fairies is rotating in three months. You know, it's it's kind of like it takes a little while. Yeah. Um so, and maybe uh, Ravnica will be the flagship uh, block of the modern format. Like maybe we right, just, yeah. you know, maybe we see those kinds of uh, things bubble up to the top, and maybe maybe it becomes a more widely accepted format. I know that people getting access to cards is going to be a big deal, just the same way it was for people to get legacy cards. Um, you know, when you when you still have breeding pools and Hall of Fountains at a hundred dollars a playset. I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but uh, that—that's a lot. Like you, you want to have the format be accessible and easy to transition into from standard. Um, and the cost of a deck right now is about the cost of a low, low-end legacy deck. Right. So, you know. So, um, uh, anything else before we quickly uh, hit on M thirteen? No, go ahead. All right, so I mean, obviously M thirteen full set spoiled. Uh, what do you guys? Anything there that that shocked or surprised you guys ground seal was a little bit surprising i like that one though that's yeah. a good one yeah, that's um it uh it it shuts off unburial rights uh it shuts off snapcaster mage yeah. and it also shuts off uh getting surgical extracted so that's that's my pick yeah cards and graveyards cannot be targeted and that's a that's a reprint from what it's a cantrip i think i want to say that it was odyssey yeah, that sounds. I could, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I mean, I, I agree. It sounds. But yeah, sounds that's right, but yeah. that's a. Uh... Now we're all looking. Yeah. It's <laughs> well, I, I actually. Um, well, it, 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 do you mind if I go? Yeah, go. For yeah, it. go ahead. So the card that I am really, really excited about is Battle of Wits. Obviously. So excited, um, just because, like, I remember back when that was Ravnica legal. And you built like this Esper deck, and you just had like a bunch of card draw spells and signets and rats. And now we have planeswalkers. I am ready. I'm ready. I've already got my initial list drafted. I'm about a, about like a hundred cards deep. Um, haven't quite decided if I'm gonna if I'm gonna run it four colors or three colors, but uh, it's gonna happen. And may, maybe I'll uh, get to a, a an open and and play it. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That would be awesome. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, because we're just going to touch on it now, there's probably any number of cards I could mention here. I, uh, I, but I think maybe the thing I'm most excited for, especially combined with this past weekend uh, standard tournament in Seattle, is 
you know, maybe Mono Black comes back with the addition of Liliana, who we talked about, and um, and Mutilate is coming back. So yeah. I, yeah. I think that's great. I don't know if, um, you know, Sweeper is really what Mono Black Control was lacking, but I, the, I, I have a little bit of hope for it just because uh, we did see this, this Mono Black deck this past weekend do well. The tools might be there. I, I like that there's, the tools may be there for people to explore it. And I want to ultimate my Liliana, tap two swamps, and put a Gristle Brand into play. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so. Did they didn't they come out and say that they basically know that Black has an issue with Planeswalkers and that they would get an answer in the next couple sets? I, I feel like that that sounds familiar. I think that's that, that'll be the the final. Like it's like right now, I, there's no reason not to just splash white to play Oblivion Ring, right? Um, but uh, I mean, if that model black deck, if that, they can, uh, if they print like a Chainer's Edict for uh, yeah. for for uh, Planeswalkers, like target player sacrifices a Planeswalker Whew. for like four mana, or um, something I mean, like even, that. Even just even just having um, Cabal Coffers type cards would be nice, you know? Right, but. Well, um, I think uh, that we'll, next week we'll we'll try to cover our M13, um, you know, our, our top five picks like we usually do. Talk about them in the context of standard, legacy, modern. Um, we'll definitely have a, a preview of the modern um, GP that's coming up here in a few weeks. And uh, I just thought maybe we could give a couple, couple plugs for stuff that we got going on. Um, I actually have my first published article on StarCityGames.com today. And nice, uh, congratulations, yeah. sir. So it's uh, it's my combo cube, and um, it, a lot of people have asked me about it. They play with it at events and stuff. So I posted my full list and and all of my uh, all, all of my explanations and everything therein. So hopefully you guys enjoy. It. Nice. And right below that, if you're looking at the page here, you'll see Magic the Newsening episode seven is up. Um, so if you guys want to check that out, I also do that. Yes. You guys, to, you guys are used to that by now, so that's not as exciting. But that's up, and uh, yeah, so that's that's what I got. I'll be checking both of those out as soon as I get to work and finish editing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, pretty awesome. But um, yeah, I guess uh, guess did you want to do some quick shout outs, Ruben? I think. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, that was just a. A, th- a, sh- a stupid thing that I wrote. I was I was talking about plugging our things. Oh, that's what you meant. Okay. Yeah, I just okay. decided to type. It. I typed in shoot oots. Yeah. <laughs> chat so, that we had going on here. And shout out to the eighteen. Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> they shout shout out us out all the time, so why not? Yeah. All right. Uh, that's all for this episode, folks. Tune in next week when we will be talking about uh, the M13 spoiler. And until next time, we are in contention. 